Welcome, Degenerates, to the second episode of the Four Stats Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and with me again this week is Chase, who I hope fixed his microphone. How you doing, everybody? Thanks for having me back. Uh, Yeah, you sound much better this time. Thank you for joining us this week, and for all our new listeners, I'll run through what this podcast is about again. We are a sports podcast that talks sports, sports betting, and fantasy football. Each week, we will give you four unique stats. Some are meant to be informative, some are meant to blow your mind, maybe even controversial, and others are just conversation starters. We are coming off week three of the NFL season, and what was an explosive week in the NFL. We had Ed Hockley tell Cam he's too young to get a roughing the passer call. We had Jerry Jones saying Whedon has a big, beautiful stroke, which we hope he was talking football. We will certainly be talking a lot of football again this week. We'll be arguing who's the best 3-0 team in the NFL. We'll talk fantasy with the mind-blowing statistic about scoring, as well as give you our daily fantasy lineup for week four. We have for you a against the spread pick for Sunday, and Chase will give you the final thought. But maybe we should get his first thoughts first. Well, to piggyback on our last week's show, we talked about the NFC East. Um, we were talking about how the Reds, I mean, excuse me, how the Redskins could probably win a division. Uh, if anybody tuned into the Thursday night game, the Redskins definitely looked like they couldn't win a division in the NFL, nor probably the SEC West. So once again, the NFC East looks up for grabs. The Cowboys took a loss. Uh, the Giants and the Eagles both got on the board with a win. So it looks like the NFC East is right where we left it. Um, we have no clue of what actually is going to go on and, It'll still be a surprise come December who walks away with the division. Yeah, you're right about that. I kind of pushed the Redskins last week. And although I don't know that they're going to win the NFC East, I don't not know they're going to win the NFC East. I don't think any team has proven that they can grab a hold of this division. Yes, I I have not a clue at all. Um, the Cowboys blew a big lead. Uh, they were hot in the first half and... I don't know who came. I don't know who bought an ice bucket to Dallas, but the second half, they couldn't find a point. Well, the NFC East may be underachieving, but there's some really good 3-0 teams. Who do you think the best 3-0 team is this season? The best 3-0 team this season, my opinion might surprise you. Um, I didn't go with the fan favorites or the team with all the glitz and the, gr- and the glamour. I actually decided that the, the Arizona Cardinals are the best team, 3-0 team right now in the NFL. Um, last year, they started the season all 6-0, and and they actually have an opportunity to do the same thing. Uh, their division has not looked that strong, and they're actually playing solid football on both ends on both ends of the field, offense and defense. Um, up under their coach, Bruce Arians, currently they have a 25 and 11 record. That'll definitely keep you employed in the NFL. <clears throat> Excuse me, keep you employed in the NFL. Stat one. The quarterback, Carson Palmer, he's back. He's healthy. He's confident. Right now, he has a 16-2 and record in his last 18 starts as a Cardinal. And if you break it down, their point-winning margin in those last 18 games that he started is 14 points. So 14 points in the NFL, that's a blowout, and you're covering any spread that Vegas gives you any day. Also, if you look at his numbers, he's thrown 36 interceptions. I mean, excuse me. He's thrown 36 touchdowns of only 14 interceptions with a quarterback rating of 99% in those 18 starts. Also... What do you know? Larry Fitzgerald is back. He's back on top. He's back finding ways to score. He's scoring on the outside. He's scoring from the slot. Um, he's doing everything his team needs. He has five touchdowns so far this season, uh, which ranks him amongst the top of the receivers in the NFL. Also, they have a loaded backfield. I know Andre Ellington is currently down, but they have the Johnson brothers with Chris Johnson and David Johnson back there. 
Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised about what the Cardinals have been able to do without Ellington. I really thought he ignited the offense, that the offense ran through him, but it does seem like the offense is running through Carson Palmer. It is a really impressive stat that he is 16-2 and two over his last 18 and beating teams by 14 points a game. I think so, uh, but even still, even if Ellington is unable, is, isn't able to play, they definitely have backups they can get the job done, and we haven't even talked about their secondary. Last week, they got two pick sixes, and you know those come along every now and then, but they actually got two. Of course, Patrick Peterson will always be in the argument for best cornerbacks in the NFL, and then don't forget about the Honey Badger. He has been nothing but uh, positive since he's arrived in Arizona. Yeah, he looks absolutely amazing. And we all know that he's playing very well in coverage, but he's making a big impact against the rush too. He just creeps down the box. He plugs the holes. He makes tackles. He just seems like an impact player all over the field. I just can't be more impressed by him. You did say something pretty interesting about reminding us all that the Cardinals did start 6-0 and last year. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule right now, and it is not intimidating. They do play the Rams next week, which is the first time they'll play a defense. But they play Detroit at Pittsburgh without Roethlisberger. They play Baltimore, then at Cleveland. So if they take care of business, it's very possible they could start 8-0 this year. And even if they lose one or two of those games, they're still looking, at worst, 6-2 to start the season. And 8-0, that's definitely getting you to the playoffs. Pretty sure, just about guaranteeing the division and a bye week. Um, Also, to jump back on the Honey Badger, they're playing him at the nickelback, so he's always on the inside. So he has an opportunity to actually fool the offense. Generally, it's the offense trying to fool the defense, but with him playing inside at the nickel, uh, he can creep inside of the box. Also, he can check the slot receiver, um, the Honey Badger. Um, I'm not sure if you know much about him, uh, but he did go to LSU. He was friends with Patrick Peterson. He had a little bit of trouble. And uh, while he was in that trouble, um, he actually stayed with Patrick Peterson's parents, you know, to get things, to get himself back together, together, to get himself back focused on football. So they have more than just a connection on the field. They're actually, I guess you would say, they're brothers from another mother. They actually take care of each other and look out for each other and help each other thrive in the NFL and also while they were there at LSU together. Yeah, you're right. There's no denying that this team has a very special chemistry. Uh, it's, I guess the pick is still surprising, though, because you imagine that most people would either say the New England Patriots or the Green Bay Packers, particularly after Monday night when they demolished a pretty good Kansas City team. But I like the pick. Uh, if you've loaded up Madden 16, you know they make you play the Super Bowl before you're allowed to play into the game. And in that Super Bowl is Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Arizona Cardinals. So maybe they got one of those sides right. Although I'm not really convinced yet. Uh, I still have my doubts because the Cardinals have not really played a top-tier defense yet. They played the Saints, the Bears, and the San Francisco 49ers, and neither of them are going to be considered a defensive team this year. So I'm really curious to see how they will play against the Rams, and maybe that can change my mind. But for now, I did not go with them to be my best 3-0 team. Well, we'll all be tuned in to see what happens. Hopefully next week I won't come back biting my tongue. I actually went with the Cincinnati Bengals as the best 3-0 team. Stat 2. The Cincinnati Bengals are the only team in the NFL to rank in the top 10 in both passing and rushing. Just think about that for a second. No other team in the NFL 
has a top 10 passing and rushing offense. You would think that if a team can pass the ball that well, that the running game would open up. Or the other way around, if you're running the ball that well, that you can use play action and rack up the passing yards. Because the top 10 is not that great of a success because it's still the top third of the league. So it's really surprising to me that Cincinnati's the only team in the entire league that is a top 10 in both passing and rushing. Well, I like Cincinnati too, um, for multiple reasons. Uh, one, uh, for some reason, I've already always thought that Andy Dalton could get the job done. I know he chokes in big games, but I always thought that he could get the job done. And then AJ Green, um, I've watched him since he was at Georgia. Um, I've always thought that he was a great a great wide receiver. He makes plays with his hands and not his body, and that's always a difference maker uh, when you have a wide receiver that can go get the ball. Um, also, they have a solid backfield with uh, Giovanni Bernard, and then also they have Jeremy Hill, um, another LSU guy, just like uh, the Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson. You have a solid backfield. Yeah, there's no question that this team has all the athleticism they could possibly need on offense. You talked about A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. You talked about the backfield of Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Uh, and that still doesn't cover it all. They have Mohamed Sanu and they have Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert at tight end. They just have weapons all over the field. But even more than that, it's when you look at their stats as a team of what they're able to do. We, we covered a little bit about offense, but let's talk about defense. This year, they are the fifth best rushing defense in the NFL, and they haven't allowed a single rushing touchdown yet through three games. They are second in the NFL in yards per game, and two of these games were played on the road where your defensive numbers shouldn't be as good as if they were at home. So we have established that they can score by running the ball, throwing the ball. We've now established that they can stop the run, And if we look at their numbers last year, they were one of the best passing defenses in the league last year. They allowed the ninth lowest completion ratio, the sixth lowest opponent's yards per pass, the third lowest uh, touchdowns through the air, and the third lowest passer rating in the NFL. So when you think of these cornerbacks, you may be thinking of these non-name guys, but Drake Kirkpatrick, Adam Jones, they're getting the job done. They have the pass rush of Carlos Dunlap. They have one of the best defensive tackles and Geno Atkins that doesn't get any credit. And he makes a difference in both the run defense and pass defense. There's just a whole lot of love about this Cincinnati team. And then more than everything, anything, what I really love is their efficiency. We know that Cincinnati can put up a lot of points. We know they could air it out to AJ green, uh, 15 times a game, but they don't. They're actually 30th in the NFL and throwing the ball, yet they're sixth in the NFL of yards per game through the air. So they're the second most efficient team in the NFL at yards per pass. I agree with you there. And also with uh, Marvin Lewis Lewis as the coach, um, once again, everybody knows him from getting Ray Lewis, his championship back in the day when the Ravens were that dominant defense. So he's a defensive-minded coach. Um, I think the athletes on offense help him look like he's a better offensive coach, but he's definitely a defensive-minded coach, and he'll always have a decent defense because that's his expertise. And these are the reasons why I believe that the Bengals are the best 3-0 team. Now, I know that's going to be surprising to a lot of you guys, and I don't want to discount what is happening in New England, but I don't trust that defense. Uh, I feel like I am discrediting 
what the Packers have done this season because it is nothing beyond amazing. Honestly, I did think that Chase would take them, and I just didn't want to have the same pick. And I really do believe that the Bengals are the best 3-0 team in football, and I know that's not a popular pick. Fantasy Football Talk. Now it's time for some fantasy talk. We all know that scoring in the NFL is higher than ever, but the explosion we saw was unprecedented on Sunday. Let's try to give it some perspective. In week two, the winner of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker scored 246 points. If you were to put up 246 points this week, that doesn't even get your lineup in the top 1,000 in week three. The winner of week three put up 301 points. So this got me thinking, how much play, how much better did the players really perform this week? If you were to take the top 25 scoring wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, basically anyone that can be put in the flex position, they averaged 30.06 points this week. Now this is using PPR non-bonus stats, but let's compare that to past weeks and even last season. So in week two, the top 25, we'll call them flex players, scored 26.48 points on average. And week one, that scores 24.98 points on average. And again, these are just the top 25. So if you're looking at percent change from week three, excuse me, from week two to week three, it was a 13.5% difference from week three to week one it was a 20.3% difference. Stat three. If you take the top 25 players, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends in fantasy football week three and got the average, you would get 30.06 points per game. Last year, if you take the top 25 flex players, it averaged 18.82 points per game. That is a 59.7% increase. The quick math tells us that's more than 11 points a game. That's almost two touchdowns more points worth of scoring in week three than last year. Now, I know a lot has changed in the NFL, and it is more geared to scoring and letting these athletes do what's best. But it makes me wonder, do you believe that any of these players that had huge games last week are going to be able to sustain this throughout the season and this was really their coming out party i'm not sure if they'll be able to sustain that type of production throughout the season uh but i guess you have to look at fantasy uh as one hit wonders uh you always have to try to find that one person that might get you through a bye week or that one person that can get you through an injury or when you've lost someone and um i think this week uh, i want to say bring attention to a running back from the atlanta falcons um Devontae freeman uh, Devontae Freeman is in his second year in the NFL. He came from Florida State. Um, last year, uh, he struggled a lot. Um, he didn't get many carries, but he was highlighted a lot during the Hard Knocks, the HBO show. And they showed, the coaches showed a lot of interest and they invested a lot of time into him. Um, no one expected him in week three of the NFL to get 30 carries. He got 30 carries against the Cowboys in week three. Um, you have to trust the player to give him 30 carries in any NFL game. He finished the game with three total touchdowns and a hundred and 193 yards. And I think that he might be able to have similar production again this year. Uh, once again, the running back position is generally the easiest position to learn in the NFL. Um, everyone in front of you is doing all of the hard work. You just have to find the holes and 
basically put the pedal to the metal. And with him being able to rack up those yards and keep in mind, he has Julio Jones. I mean, Julio Jones on the outside, which has already been dominating fantasy. And of course he's going to continue to dominate because he's just a stud. But if you have him on the outside, defensive coordinators can't stack the box. So if you can get someone like Freeman, that'll be able to, I'm not, I'm sure he won't get close to 200 yards this upcoming week, but I'm pretty sure that he'll probably get a couple of touchdowns because Julio will be double teamed in the red zone and he'll probably be able to sneak in and steal a couple of touchdowns and probably walk away with about a hundred yards. Yeah. It does seem that Devonte Freeman was the fantasy darling of week three. Uh, I did actually put him in my DraftKings lineup last week. He scored 45.3 points for me. Uh, I think he only cost around $3,700, so it was an absolute steal. Uh, He really did seem to come on strong last year. I did notice that, and when Coleman was out for this game, it's why I thought it was such a comfortable pick. Uh, And I think he may have won his starting job back after that performance. It's hard to imagine that uh, Coleman is going to be able to duplicate that performance. But let's get into our picks for week Four of DraftKings. Did you already make your lineup this week, Chase? Yeah, it's a little bit early to uh, to pull up that lineup. Uh, you never know with those probables and questionables. But yeah, I have my lineup ready for this week, and I'm ready to go through it with you. Um, are you? Do you have yours? Did you finish yours up already? Yeah, I did. Uh, but you make a really good point. There's a whole lot of questionables and probables, and it made it really tough to put together a lineup this early in the week, but let's go ahead and see what we did. Certainly. Well, I'll go ahead and get it started. Um, I tried to cut some money uh, this week um, with my quarterback. Um, I went and took Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, he's actually been pretty productive this season so far. No one expected or saw it coming, but I took Tyrod Taylor as my quarterback. Yeah, it's actually a bit of an understatement to say that Tyrod Taylor has been producing. He's been a fantasy stud. He's been marching this team up and down the field. He's been impressive and fun to watch. Uh, But I actually went in a different direction. I went and spent the money on Andrew Luck because he is playing Jacksonville. So I feel like those points are a sure thing. I also spent some money on Eddie Lacy. Where I was able to cut some costs was picking up Darren Sproles. Now, I know the Eagles offensive line is just an absolute disaster. Uh, They actually lost another offensive lineman this week. But that makes me like Darren Sproles even more, and this is why. Uh, DeMarco Murray is your guy that's going to run between the tackles. That's not going to be Darren Sproles. When their defense is getting penetration, what they're going to do is they're going to take a Sproles uh, out of the backfield and throw him in the flats and just get him the ball. Uh, the the pressure is going to get to the quarterback, in this case, Sam Bradford, anyway. So you need to get the ball out quick to your playmaker, and I just think it makes Sproles that much more valuable. All right, and my running backs uh, with uh, Roxburger going down, I went and took uh, Le'Veon Bell. Of course, they're going to try to ride him out, so I'm expecting probably about a thirty carry a thirty carry game from him. Then also, we just gave you all the good information about the uh, Devontae Freeman, so I think he'll probably be able to piggyback on last week. And also, he was at a pretty decent cost. Who do you have at wide receiver? Wide receiver, uh, that's where I spent my money at. Um, also, I kind of stick to I'm trying to stick to what I was talking about to you guys today. Uh, let you know I went and took Larry Fitzgerald uh, he was pretty expensive but at the rate he's producing I'm going to keep him in my lineup also I took uh, Demarius Thomas uh, Peyton Manning's favorite receiver uh, so he's a big target so he's always open 
Uh, also, I took James Jones. James Jones is an old friend of Aaron Rodgers. They finally bought him back after trading him and cutting and him being cut from other teams. Uh, so he's back in Lambeau, and he's doing the Lambeau leap pretty often now in the NFL. Yeah, I spent some money on wide receivers as well. Uh, I first went with Keenan Allen. There's still no Gates. Green is also out this week. He's going to continue to get all the targets. Uh, Rivers is good at throwing down the field, and he looks for him. I also went with Amari Cooper. He's playing the Bears defense, so nothing scary there. Um, I went with T.Y. Hilton as my third wide receiver uh, just to double dip with Andrew Luck, so hopefully they hook up in the end zone a couple times so I can climb up these standings. As for tight end, I went with Vernon Davis. Now, I know he's actually listed as questionable. Everything I'm reading says he's going to be okay for Sunday. Uh, He did get hurt last week in the first quarter and I had him in my team so I was disappointed about that I just think for the price he has to be the best value of tight ends that are out there and I think he's going to have a big week here soon and it does look like San Francisco is going to be playing from behind often so they'll be throwing the ball a lot at tight end I have Owen Daniels the tight end for Peyton Manning uh last week Peyton Manning hit him with a nice skinny post down the uh, down the down the sideline, he caught it in the end zone. He scored a decent amount of points last week. I think he finished with between fourteen and sixteen, depending on what type of league you played played in, which is pretty decent production from your tight end spot. Um, so I think Peyton Manning is getting some gaining trust with him, and I think he'll look for him more often in the red zone. Yeah, it does seem like you're leaning a little bit on that Broncos offense. Uh, I know you like Peyton Manning, and he did seem to drop back quite a bit in that Sunday night game. But I just don't know if that offensive line is going to hold up enough for both of them to get theirs. Uh, for me, in my flex, I try to pick another big sleeper. Last week, I did go with Freeman, and I'm hoping to have this week's Freeman with Carlos Williams of Buffalo. Uh, it seems like Carlos has kind of stolen some carries from McCoy already. Uh, with McCoy being announced out already for Sunday, I think he's going to have a big load. And I think he's going to do quite well. Uh, for my defense, I chose the Chargers, excuse me, and I don't expect them to perform like Arizona's defense did for me last week. It was nice starting the game with two pick sixes, but that does round up my lineup. What do you have in your flex and defense? Uh, with my flex, I spent a little bit of money. I went back to to Joseph Randall. Joseph Randall had probably one of the best first halves in Cowboy history last week. So I figured that they're going to continue to hand the ball off. I think that's part of the reason they lost to the Falcons uh, down the stretch. Uh, they didn't continue to run in the ball to control the time of possession. And then also at the defense, I went and took the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins had one of the best defenses uh, week one and week two. Uh, they kind of got their bubble burst last week, uh, Thursday night and against the Giants. But I think they might get back to their original form, and I think they'll be able to get some stops and cause a couple of turnovers. Well, good luck to you this week. I did beat you last week. I gave uh, you not only Julio Jones, who had another monster game, I also gave you two of the top three fantasy runbacks in Freeman and Randall. Uh, but good luck to you this week, and we'll see who comes out ahead in week four. Each week, we want to break down a game against the spread. But we are looking for sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor this part of the podcast, it is for sale. Contact me at 4statsforsuccess at gmail. That's always the number four, never the preposition for. Number four stats, number four success at gmail.com. We will have you on or we will give out your breakdown of the game. But for now, it's my job to get you guys a winner. The Oakland A's, oh, excuse me. The Oakland Raiders travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. 
Now, when I first started looking at this, I was thinking, wow, the Raiders are favored on the road. I love their offense. I think Cooper is a future superstar in this league. David Carr and Michael Crabtree have great chemistry. Latavius Murray can run and catch out of the backfield. And it seems like the Bears just gave up on this season, sending Jared Allen to Carolina and John Bostick to the Patriots. So maybe the Raiders are the right play on the road, but I can't do it. Oakland was 0-8 on the road last year. They were 0-8 in 2013. They were 1-7 in 2012, making them a combined 1-23 on the road over the last three years before the season. Now, they just beat Cleveland on the road last week, which raises the question, when was the last time that Oakland won back-to-back road games? It was 2011. But maybe it's their time. After all, the Bears did just get shut out in Seattle. They put up a total of 48 passing yards and less than 150 yards of total offense. But no, I can't do it. The last time the Oakland Raiders were favored on the road and covered was in 2005 in Tennessee. Yes, then Kerry Collins versus Steve McNair a decade ago. Yes, I love Oakland's offense, but notice I didn't say anything good about their defense. It's too hard to because they are so bad. Oakland is 32nd in the NFL, dead last in yards allowed, 28th in points allowed. On the road, back-to-back weeks. They traveled over 2,000 miles to Cleveland, 2,000 miles back to Oakland, and again 2,000 miles to Chicago, and yet they aren't proven on the road, but yet they're favored. Now, I know Chicago's offense looked horrible last week, but that was in Seattle's versus a team that had everything to prove. Chicago has actually outgained its other two opponents in yards, and that includes Green Bay. Now they are led by Jimmy Clausen, and I know it's not the same, but Jeffries is back, and that's a weapon he didn't have last week. Forte is back in the field, backfield too. They did score 23 points per game in their first two games. Now, everybody on the Bears know their jobs are on the line after those trades. No one is safe. They're playing the NFL's worst defense at home in Soldier Field. I'm going to take the plus three that's being offered in Vegas and offshore and feel very confident about it. What do you think about that, Chase? Are you laying that wager with me? Well, if it was my money that I was putting down, I might stay away from that game. I really don't know. I really don't have a strong feel for it. Um, everything leads towards the Raiders after I noticed the Bears were having a fire sale this week, uh, giving away two of their best players. Uh, but also, as I've learned, um, it's hard to win on the road in the NFL. The NFL is a league where even a bad team, when they're at home, they're better. They have a good chance of winning. So, also, the Raiders, the Raiders are the Raiders. For them to win back-to-back road games, um, that's that's a lot to ask for. And from a team that hasn't really showed you much, uh, when they do show you something, it's very exciting, but they haven't showed you much. So I would probably go ahead and go with the home team um, if I wanted to stay inside of my comfort zone. So I would probably go with the home team also. Final period. Come on, Cleveland. Stop playing around. Get Johnny football in the game. He got you your only win this season. Two big bombs to Travis Benjamin. He can do it again. Stop playing around. That's all for us, you degenerates. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and you cash out big this weekend. We will be back next week. In the meantime, add us on Twitter. Four is always a number, never preposition. So the number four stats for success on Facebook or reach us on Twitter at four stats podcast. We would love to interact with you guys. We look forward to talking to you next week and let's make some money this weekend.